if it's your first time, welcome to Rock Harbor. Uh, we would love an opportunity to get to know you at the end of this service. There's a, a large green tent out in the foyer. Uh, love just to learn your name and a little bit of your story. And it's a very special Sunday that you're here. Um, not only is it the Sunday between spring breaks uh, for Boise and West Ada, but this is the Sunday uh, two years ago. This is my first Sunday on staff. So it's been two years. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's been a crazy two years. It's been incredible. A lot of things have happened in two years. When I look around and I see um, you guys, I'm just reminded of different things that God's done in, in the past two years. And so uh, in the past two years, we have sacrificed um, for one more person uh, to hear about Jesus. We've sacrificed for the future and what's to come. In the past two years, we've gone from three services to six services. We've gone from one location to two locations. Um, we've invested in our community. We've invested in the world. And one thing that we've not done in the past two years uh, is we've not wavered. We've not wavered from our mission as a church. You guys know it. Uh, our mission is to love and lead one another to be devoted followers of Jesus. And in the two years that I've been here, we've not wavered from that. And so I'm grateful to get to be a part of, of this community of believers, uh, this community of believers that continues to persevere because we understand that there really is a heaven and there really is a hell, and people really do go to one place or another. And so thank you guys so much for what the past two years has, uh, has meant to me. Um, if, if I've not had a chance to meet you, my name's Travis, and I am the high school director uh, here at Rock Harbor, and I have the uh, awesome privilege of spending time with uh, many of your students, your children. Uh, thank you, most of you. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Thank you, all of you. Um, but it's incredible. And the past two years had me, had me thinking, what does that look like in student ministry? What does that look like in high school ministry? And there's one number that, that sticks out. Uh, it's the number 99. 99 high school students have gotten baptized in the past two years, right? 99 high school students have told the world that they love Jesus and they're unashamed of it. And I would love just an opportunity just to celebrate that and, and to cheer for them. Um, I, I share that with you not to bring glory to myself because it's not about me. I share that with you to, to let you know and remind you that this ministry was entrusted to me. This ministry was given to me. So many things were done before I even got here two years ago. Uh, most of our students have come through Slingshot and that ministry where a lot of your children are right now. Uh, many of our students came all the way from our kids to Slingshot to then Anchor. Um, we have leaders that pour into them every single week. And, and you guys as parents uh, do the most work. Uh, pouring into your students. And there have been student directors before me, and I just want to prove that point, uh, that it's been entrusted to me, it's been given to me. And, and so thank you so much for that. And I think that point uh, shows up in the passage we're going to be in today. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And right off the bat, uh, we hear Paul kind of talk about this idea of this ministry being given to him, this ministry being entrusted to him, right? That he didn't earn it. He doesn't deserve it. We just sang reckless love uh, with that same heartbeat uh, in that message. And so just kind of want to share that with you guys. And as we get into this passage, a couple things. One thing coming up at the end of it, there's a, a huge passage that I want to get to. It says, uh, treasure in jars of clay. And some of you, maybe you've heard that before, get excited because of what that is, what Paul is saying. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? I would never put treasure in a clay pot, right? Trust me, uh, your, your mindset might shift this morning. But as we begin, our passage starts with a therefore. 
And since this is high school ministry for me, I always have to explain some things. But if you see a therefore in Scripture, you need to ask yourself the question, what is that there for? Yeah, somebody got it. What is that there for? Next time you're reading in your quiet time, you're going to come to a therefore and you're going to think of me. And you're going to say, that's so dumb. Just don't say he's so dumb, say that's so dumb, okay? But uh, it'll work. What is that there for? And I don't know about you guys, but I struggle uh, paying attention sometimes. Some people have ADD. Some people have ADHD. I have ADOP. And if you guys have never heard of that, what that is is attention deficit. Oh, pretty. Um, <laughs> if you didn't get it, you will. But so what I want to do is just kind of recap where we've been in, in this series for the past five weeks, okay? Um, just so we're all kind of on the same page. But week one, uh, we, we found out about this quote from C.S. Lewis, uh, this quote from C.S. Lewis that said, God whispers in our pleasure speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I think that it is so true. We saw that when our mind sees he is all we have, we realize that he is all we need, right? When our mind sees that he's all we have, we realize he's all we need. And then week two, uh, we learn that we don't experience God's full power until we're at a point of full weakness. We don't experience God's full power until we're at a point of full weakness, uh, and then a few weeks ago, week three of this series, we learned, uh, first and foremost, that John Link is Jewish, if you guys remember that. He, he actually made me put this in here this morning. He said, make sure they know I'm Jewish. Uh, I'm just kidding. There was so much more to that message. But uh, my big takeaway from Jewish John uh, was that he said, he said, following Christ is not just a thing. It's everything. Right? Following Christ is not just a thing, it's everything. And he introduced us to this idea of the triumphal procession right? and the paradox with which Christ received it. And then two weeks ago, um, something that stuck out to me and encouraged me, uh, we, were, we were encouraged not to chase after what will soothe us rather than what will save us. Right? Power and weakness, do we chase after what's going to soothe us or what's actually going to save us? We need to chase after what's going to save us. And then last week, uh, we understood just how powerful the gospel is, right? Just how powerful the gospel is. Keith said it this way. He said, the gospel doesn't make good men better or even bad men good. It brings dead men to life, right? That's the power of the gospel. It's incredible. It's been an incredible five weeks. And I hope, hope you guys have seen the power of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, right? It's this, this verse that we're basing this whole series off of, this whole power and weakness series. It says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Right? That's the whole idea behind this, this series. And so with that, therefore, in light of all of that, we're going to continue today, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay, so right off the bat, verse 1, uh, Paul says, Having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Right? This is a big passage to me. Having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Right? What, what ministry do we have? What kind of ministry do we have? A ministry that we've been sharing this entire month and a half, right? Kind of ministry where we, we find out that Jesus is all we need, right? Where full power has been given to us. A ministry where we get to join Christ in his triumphal procession. A, a ministry that saves us. A ministry that brings dead men to life. We've been given this. We've been entrusted with this ministry. And, and it's an incredible ministry. We, we did not build it right? We did not earn it. We don't deserve it. It's been freely given to us, right? Here, here's how Paul says it as he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. It says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, right? 
appointed me to his service. Right? You think about this. Paul, who was formerly Saul, right, persecuting the church, he says that the Lord has judged him faithful, appointing him to his service. Verse 13, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, right, a violent man, uh, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And then verse 15 is important. Uh, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Okay? Trustworthy and, and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. That means the worst, right? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul's saying this about himself. Say this about myself. Christ came into the world to save sinners. I'm the worst of them. And he came to save me. Right? Um, says, but I received mercy for this reason. That in me, as the worst, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? Definitely amen. He, he did not lose heart, right? Paul knew that this ministry had been given to him, that he didn't deserve it, but it was entrusted to him, and he wanted to do well with it, and he did not lose heart. Whatever, whatever was going on, he didn't give up. He didn't quit, right? And a lot of times, I think that, that we can go through that. We can struggle in life. Life is difficult. Life is hard. Being a Christian is difficult at times, right? You can't give up. Don't give up. It's worth it. The ministry that's been given to you is more valuable, more important than anything that you might be struggling with, anything that you might be dealing with, right? And I know you're like, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've gone through in your life, what your struggles are. But I know that Jesus knows, right? Jesus knows what it is. Jesus has been through it all. And he didn't, he didn't quit. Thank God he didn't quit. We wouldn't be here today if he had. Right? And the first point that I want you guys to write down, if you're taking notes on your program or if you have your app out and you're, you're taking notes, I know how we get with, with bullets. Some of you already put in there and you revealed the answer. That's cheating, okay? You know who you are and so does God. But uh, I want to give you your first fill in the blank. I don't know everything, but I know this. I know that God did not bring you this far to let you fall now. All the things you've been through, all the struggles you've had, He didn't bring you this far to let you fall now. He's got you. He's going to provide for you, right? With this divine calling comes this idea of a a divine enabling, right? He will equip those he calls. Our our struggles are going to continue to come. They're always going to be there. Jesus was the answer back, back then in Paul's day, and Jesus is still the answer today, right? The ministry that was entrusted to him was not a burden. It was a privilege, and that's the same thing for us today. We, we say it around here oftentimes that it's not a, a have to, but a get to. We get to serve Jesus. It's not a burden. It's a privilege, okay? And so um, this idea kept Paul from quitting. And I hope that it encourages you today. Whatever you're going through, don't give up. Don't quit. Continue to persevere. Uh, the next few verses, we're going to kind of go through a little bit quicker. Uh, verses 2 through 6. But uh, verse 2, it says, We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. 
Right? He's speaking here to this idea of, of false teachers, this idea of twisting Scripture to make it say whatever it is you want it to say. And, and honestly, you could, you could do that. Scripture, you can't do that. Don't do that. This is something that is able to be done because you can make Scripture say just about anything you want it to. And Paul's saying, we're not doing that. We're not going to twist Scripture. This is the Word of God. This is what it means. This is what it says, right? This is how Jesus wants me to live my life. I'm not going to twist Scripture. You don't have to go far to see that in our world, right? Twisting Scripture, just a little bit of truth, right? And then make it say whatever you want it to say. Paul's saying, I'm not going to do this. I don't care what you think. I'm not going to twist Scripture. And he goes on in verse 3. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, right? And and Keith spoke to this idea of the, the veil last week. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, right? Keith spoke to this idea of the, the veil, and if I could be honest this morning, this is, this is spiritual warfare. Paul's speaking to this idea of spiritual warfare at its finest, right? The idea that uh, the God of this world, Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers, right? Blinded the minds of people who do not have a relationship with Jesus so they don't get to see the glory of God, the glory of Christ, because they've been blinded, right? And you're like, man, that stinks. I guess it just is what it is. No, don't quit. Don't give up, right? We talked about this. You cannot quit just because Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers doesn't mean we quit, right? First John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world, right? The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is still greater today than Satan, who's the God of this world. At any moment, that veil could be lifted, right? Maybe you think back to your own life. You think where you were at, what you were doing, what you were caught up in, whatever your story is, and you remember that moment where you gave your life to Jesus, that moment where the veil was torn in your life, where the veil was lifted, right? Or maybe you think about a loved one where you saw that happen, right? I think back to being 12 years old. Uh, That's how old I was when I realized that I was a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, and without Jesus, where I was going to end up, right? So I accepted the free gift of, of salvation that Jesus offers, and I get to spend eternity in heaven. And I wanted so bad at 12 years old to just share that with people, right? When, when the veil's been torn, and you get to see this, you want to share with people. The only way to heaven is through Jesus. You want to share Jesus with people. And my little sister, she gave her life to Jesus. My mom gave her life to Jesus. The three of us got baptized. It was this awesome uh, moment and, and event, and I remember my dad never did. My dad never gave his life to Jesus. I would talk with my dad, went through different seasons. I was 12 years old, right? For 18 years, I would talk with my dad. I would pray for my dad. Shocker, those of you that don't know, I cry every once in a while. Uh, I would cry for my dad. I'll probably cry for my dad right now. But for whatever reason, he never gave his life to Jesus, it was like he was blinded to this whole thing that God was doing in my life. And for whatever reason, uh, two Christmases ago, he came here to Rock Harbor. He sat right there in the middle. And he talked about this idea of it not being about religion, but it being about a relationship. I swear I've said that to my dad before, right? <laughs> but for whatever reason, it made sense. It clicked. He was no longer blinded. The veil was torn he gave his life to Jesus, right? Yeah. That's... It was incredible, 
right? And I, I didn't expect it. I didn't realize that that was going to be the case, right? God is still greater. Jesus is still greater. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of you is still greater than the God of this world who's blinding the minds of unbelievers. So don't give up. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. Somebody in the first service gave me some tissues in case I needed them. So thank you. Um, but we're going to go on. Verse 5. Verse 5 uh, says this. For what we proclaim is not of ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. Right? This is still speaking to that idea of false teachers or, or really the idea of promoting yourself. Right? That I'm a big deal. Look at me. Worship me. Hear from me. Learn from me. All these things. Right? And, and Paul's saying that's not the case. I, I'm not a big deal. Right? Some of you have already forgotten my name. I told you like 12 minutes ago. I don't care. I'm not a big deal. I don't care if you remember my name, right? You need to remember the name of Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying. I'm not going to promote myself. I'm going to promote Jesus. I'm going to be your servant for Christ's sake, right? Think about that. If you're, if you're a leader or if you've been around leaders, if you look up to somebody and they have this, this heartbeat, right, this idea that I'm a servant leader, those are the best kind of leaders to be behind. Those are the best kind of leaders to be under, if you're a leader today, I want to challenge you and encourage you. Say, I want to be a servant leader. I want it to be about Jesus, not about me. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. He goes on in verse 6. He said, for God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. Let light shine out of darkness. Has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Right, this light. Paul uh, takes this, this opportunity to share about that moment, that moment where a person gives their life to Jesus, right? And he likens it to the creation story found in Genesis, that the earth was, was formless and void, and God said, let there be light, right? And then we have the story of creation, right? He's saying a, a lost person giving their, their life to Jesus, right? Their life is formless and void. They give their life to Jesus, and all of a sudden, they're a new creation, Right? And I don't want to speak too much about this because we're going to talk about it in weeks to come as, as Paul addresses this in Second Corinthians, this idea of a new creation. But with, with this light, we're encouraged in, in Matthew chapter 5 what we're supposed to do with it. What are we supposed to do as a new creation? What are we supposed to do with this light that lives inside of us? Right? And it says we're supposed to let it shine. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what we're meant to do with a light inside of us. And then this next part, this is that verse 7 that I told you about at the beginning, that many of us we, we know and we cling to and we find encouragement with. Maybe some of us were like, I've never heard that before. It makes no sense. I don't know what you're talking about, okay? But Paul goes on, and, and he says this. It, it's a huge statement. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Right, this, in essence, is this idea behind this whole series. Right? I know we've been talking about 2 Corinthians 12, 9, but this also speaks to it. Right? We have these, this treasure in jars of clay. Power in weakness. Treasure, power, jars of clay, weakness. Right? When, uh, when Paul was talking about this back in the day, jars of clay or clay pots, right? maybe you guys have some of them around your house, um, they were not used for the same thing that they are today. Today, they're used for, like, decor. You can find them all over the place in different colors and whatever. You can put plants in it. You can put real plants, fake plants. You know, maybe you're not as good 
with real plants, so you get fake plants, right? We know who we are. You know who you are. Um, I messed up on that. Uh, maybe, maybe it's, you know, for decor, for plants, whatever the case may be. In Paul's day, that wasn't what they were used for. They were used for trash, right? They were expendable trash cans. They were used to take out the trash, and they were used to take out some other things, okay? But I'm... But... Uh, you guys get what I'm saying? I'm not going to go into detail. I think you understand what I'm saying. Trash and some other stuff. Um, that's what they were used for. And they were worthless. They were cheap. They were replaceable. If one of them broke, if one of them cracked, if one of them fell apart, you didn't fix it. You just toss it out, right? You don't need this. I'll get another one. It's a clay pot. That's what it's used for. It had no value. If it did have any value, it was only found in the service that it provided, Right? That's the only place that the value came from, is the service that it provided to be able to hold stuff to take out. Right? And so the clay pot has nothing to boast about. Right? There, there's no basis for it to feel superior. I'm a clay pot. So? Whatever. All you do is take out trash and stuff. Okay? And, and that brings us to our, our second fill-in-the-blank. Right? The treasure gains nothing from the jar of clay. The treasure gains nothing from the jar of clay. The jar of clay gains everything from the treasure. Right? Understand that. The treasure is the gospel. The treasure is the ministry that's been entrusted to us, that's been given to us. That's the treasure. The jars of clay, that's us. That's our earthly body. Right? That's our earthly vessel. That's our, our brokenness. That's our struggles. That's our shortcoming. Right? We are jars of clay. We are clay pots. We're, we're breakable. We're disposable. We don't hold any value. The, the value comes from what's inside of us, right? The ministry, the gospel, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And, and there were people in Paul's day that they were trying to blast him and kind of undermine his ministry and, you know, share that he's not that great or he can't do this or he can't do that. And Paul takes their accusations and he says, you know what? You're right. I'm not that great. I can't do this. I have done that. Right? He just takes it and he says, that's, that's what it is. And it actually points back to Jesus that much more. I'm not strong enough. I'm just a clay pot. You guys know what those are. But Jesus gives me worth. Jesus gives me value. The ministry that's been given to me gives me value, right? He points to Jesus as his strength. And you and I should be no different today. No different that we should point to Jesus as our strength. See, the treasure makes the jar of clay valuable. His power is made perfect in our weakness. His power is made perfect in your weakness, in my weakness. In Acts chapter 9, when speaking about Paul, this is what God says. God says this, He is a chosen instrument of mine. Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, right? You are a chosen instrument of God. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but God does not need you. God does not need me. He wants you. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing. You are chosen. You are a chosen instrument, just like God says Paul is, right? However you come, broken, hurt, cracked, shattered, in pieces— It doesn't matter, right? The clay pot only needs to be willing and able. God's going to do the rest. However you come, thinking that you're not worthy, 
come. Right? God will do the rest in your life. And as we, we start to kind of close today, I want to come back to that, that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. This verse that we're basing this whole series off of, this whole power and weakness. Right? And we've gotten to know it. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And some of you, you're like, you know what? I'm starting to get it. It's been a month and a half, and I'm starting to understand this, this idea. But I don't think that we've really put this verse into context with the passage that it's a part of. So what I want to do this morning is I kind of want to sit in verses 7 all the way through 10. This is verse 9. I want to go 7 to 10, just so we can see some context of what in the world Paul is talking about, because I think it's going to encourage us a little bit this morning. In verse 7, he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness, right? To keep me from becoming arrogant and cocky and like I'm a big deal and it's all about me, okay? A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited, right? So to keep me from this, a thorn in my flesh was given to me, a struggle that I have, right? And and we don't know what it is. We don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us what Paul's thorn in his flesh or the thorn in his side, depending on different translations. We don't know what it was. We can only speculate. And as you read and study, and there's different thoughts out there, and different scholars believe different things, um, some people think that it was his grief over his persecution of the church. This is what I used to be. This is what I used to do, and I'm grieved because of it, right? And this was the thorn in his, in his flesh. Some people think that it was persecution that he was going through as he continues to share the gospel with unbelievers, that he was being persecuted, and this was the thorn that was given to him, right? Other people say that it was bad eyesight, that he had bad eyesight, and some of you, if you wear glasses or contacts, you're like, yes, it is definitely a thorn in my flesh, right? Maybe that's what, what he struggled with. Other things you read, he, maybe he had malaria. This was a sickness that he had. Um, some people say that it was migraines. My, my mom gets migraines, and trust me when I say it's a thorn in the flesh. It is crippling to her when she gets a migraine, right? And it happens fairly often. Um, some things, some people say that he had, that Paul had a speech impediment, right? And I can relate to that. When I was, when I was little, my uh, R's sounded like W's. Yes, so I should not be up here right now, but um, thanks for laughing at me. Um, No, but maybe that's what it was. Um, Some things you read, uh, they say that maybe he was crippled in his arms or crippled in his legs from being stoned, right? That his body was was crippled. And so other things say that he had a, a hideous appearance, that that's what it was, that he was hideous. That was the thorn in his, in his side, in his flesh. And honestly, we don't know. We, we don't know. Maybe there's some that seem more likely than others. Maybe they all seem plausible. We don't know, but that's not the point. The point is not to guess what it was. The point is to see that, that God left it with him for a reason, so that he would remain humble, so that he would remain dependent upon God, right? This is what it says in verse 8. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, that he would take this from me, whatever this was, right? And you might read that, and you might say, three times? whoop de doo Paul. I've been praying for my son to accept Jesus for three months. I've been praying for my marriage to be restored for three years. I've been praying for this my whole life, right? Three times? The, the point is not the three times as a number. The point is this idea of completion, that Paul prayed about it 
until he got an answer from God, right? If you think back to the garden, when Jesus is praying, right, so intensely that sweat drops of blood are are falling from his brow, he is praying moments before what he knows is going to happen, moments before he's going to uh, go into trials, moments before he's going to be beaten and bruised and spit upon and mocked and have a crown of thorns shoved into his brow. Moments before he gets nailed to a cross for my sin and for your sin, Jesus is praying in the garden. And he's praying, God, can you take this cup from me? Is there another way? This is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard. And he says, not my will, but your will be done. Right? We're probably familiar with that story. We might not be as familiar with how many times Jesus prayed that prayer, but it's three. He prayed that prayer three times, and it says the time had come, that moment had come, the idea that you've prayed about this, and I'm not going to take it from you. You're going to have to carry this cup, right? And the same thing happened with Paul. God said, my grace is sufficient for you, right? Power is made perfect in weakness. And so your last fill in the blank, God answered the prayer by denying the request. That's really hard. Might be a great point. Oh, that sounded good. That's really difficult. That's really hard to receive. That's really hard to implement in your life to understand that, that God has answered the prayer by denying the request for him to take it. Why? Why? Because he wanted Paul to be dependent upon him. Because he wanted to keep Paul humble, right? Because people were going to most clearly see the power of Jesus in Paul's weakness. The same thing's true for us. People are going to see the power of Christ through our weaknesses. The areas where we're not strong enough. The areas where we don't have it all together, right? And Paul finishes. He says, therefore, because of all of that, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So my question this morning is, where are you weak? Where are you dependent upon God? Because that area, that that area of your life, if given to God in humility, you're going to find great strength you're going to find great strength, right? The power of Christ is more readily seen in our weakness than in our strength. So my encouragement is to be weak today. Be weak today so that he might be found strong within you. Let's, let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you for an opportunity um, just to go back and to study 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and just this idea of treasure in jars of clay. This idea that you have given us the gospel. You have given us the good news. You have given us the message of Jesus in in these earthly bodies, in these earthly vessels, in us who who are not strong enough, who do have shortcomings, who do have struggles. Um, God, but your your power is so much greater. So God, whatever it is that we're we're going through or we're struggling with, God, I just ask that we would be reminded that we can give that to you and find great, great strength. Uh, It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.